um, the idea um, that we need to also uh, clear away you know, these, these, these problematic differences mm. Mm. <laughs> can lead you into very dark place indeed. Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, it could be, it could mm. very well be some sort of, uh, some sort of mandate for eugenics. Mm -hmm. um, if taken that way, and that's and that's you know, and you could tell that's exactly what we would end up doing. That mm -hmm. rather than accommodating, rather than saying, well, everybody, no matter you know, no matter what shape or colour or, 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 or appearance you are, uh, there is no particular because we know we attach an aesthetic to these things, mm. um, and it's kind of you know, I mean, we haven't got into this in, in any of the, the casts yet because it is just, uh, I just, you know, I, I don't like to touch this one because it is you know, mm. it's a tricky one. The the idea of, of beauty. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, kind of, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, and platitudes like that. And it's kind of, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, are there things that are more, I mean, is is a is a you know is a pile of dog poo less less beautiful than a rose? I mean, objectively, I don't know. I mean, it it smells bad to our olfactory senses, and yeah. and I'm guessing that our our I don't know. I'm guessing that our eyes and our brains respond to certain colours in the spectrum in a particular mm. way. So something mm. that's brown. And something that gives off a particular odour is going to affect mm. our senses in a negative way. Whereas something that's a bright colour and gives off mm. a, a, a more pleasing odour, we might call beautiful. Yeah, a dog poo is, is amazing to a dog, though. Yeah, that dogs love like it. Yeah, they can't gold. get enough of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, I like um, a <laughs> big fan. Gold dog. Yeah, this platonic <laughs> dog poo. There's gold dog poo, silver dog poo. You don't. It was, it was some, this is top level. This is top level philosophy. This is. I mean, yeah. somebody once said there was a comedian who was saying you don't see the white dog poo anymore. Yeah. You used to see it, and I think, and I think it's probably because, and, and it was argued that it's because there was a particular kind of dog food that was really popular back in the kind of seventies. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. And you know, it just used to make dog poo white. Yeah, I think it's uh, Sorry, there's ash. There's ash in it. No, um, <laughs> what I was going to say is um, I'm a big fan of uh, David Lynch. You like? Oh you yeah, like yeah, David yeah, Lynch? yeah. I, I like his work. So David Lynch, um, uh, you know, he's obviously famous for his uh, amazing films. You know, things mm. like Razorhair, The Blue Velvet, and mm, stuff mm. like that. But and he's all, obviously he's also an artist, and um, some of his art is very, you could call it. You know, you could call it ugly in a way, because lots of you know, lots of kind of a deep, uh, like you know, uh, uh, crimson colours and dark and uh, blacks and mm. greys yeah, and, like and stuff that looks you know. I mean, one you can probably find it on on YouTube. There's one called I think it's Five People Being Sick. Nice. It's just like a drawing of five pe people or a painting of five people, and with paint paint coming out of their mouths. Mm. And it's like a stop motion thing, but um, he said um, his 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 father was once horrified coming to his uh, studio. Uh, this is like when he was you know first starting out, and he had you know um, lots of like, kind of taxidermy stuff. I think mm. it was you know, m mice opened up and uh, and stuff like that. But he's, he he argued that you know bruises and cuts are beautiful. Mm. You know, if you think about, you know, bruises are like, you know, there's, you know, these um, dark reds and like yellows, and 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 he found them to be beautiful. So, but for some, you know, we are kind of conditioned to find these things, you know, um, repellent. Yes. Yeah. Why, you know, why is that? Mm. But it, you know, this is this all keys into the idea that we do actually have 
an ability to to find things you know aesthetically pleasing or beauty and that's something that goes beyond um you know uh our our um our condition as animals yeah you know? yes yeah. i mean it's it's yeah it's fascinating isn't it i mean i don't... I mean, we, we talk, we've been talking previously in previous podcasts about kind of monsters and kind of you know, horror and and and, and Halloweeny kinds of stuff. Um, mm. And you know, there is a, you know, there's obviously strong traditions which identify certain things as monstrous, um, things as horrific. Um, mm. Whether this is universal, whether this is culturally determined or not, it, I don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, there's. <sighs> I don't get too. I don't get too kind of you know crass about this, but I mean you know, just mm. conversations you know over the years with kind of you know uh, with 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 various people um, who seem to have you know if you're talking about kind of um, possible romantic coupling, mm-hmm. people seem to have a type that they find yeah. attractive. Now I'm not saying that you know you you cannot you know, deviate from the type, but you're quite often here over the years if you've known somebody for a while uh, and you're chatting to them and they and they might just say oh yeah quite like him quite like her when you know and you think well you know i've heard you say this over the years with a number of different people they all have that same kind of look about them you've all got you know you you, you that's kind of what you find attractive um mm-hmm. and i might not i mean i might be mm-hmm. able to see what they see but i might kind of look at the same person and say well yeah you know i you know you must be a lovely person uh, um mm-hmm. but i don't see what my partner see my friend here See, I don't mm. say that. I mean, if, if, if I'm wingmanning yeah, 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 yeah. somebody, and my and, and I'm supposed to be a you know, bad wingman strategy to actually say to the person that your friend is coming on to, <laughs> you know, um, my friend really likes you. I mean, I don't see it myself. <laughs> I don't see it myself. <laughs> um, but you know, each to their own. I mean, that's just that is just really poor, poor wingmanning. Um, but yeah, that's 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 kind of that's kind of odd. I think. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you see this in art as well, don't you? You see kind of mm-hmm. you know the, uh, the artistic styles of the day changing. So you mm-hmm. you know you go. I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about ladies now because that's kind of you know heterosexual, and that's kind of what I'm familiar with in art. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you have the kind of you know very kind of curvy looking women in some of the kind of classical art, and this is considered to be mm-hmm. really kind of very attractive. You get the kind you know Marilyn Monroe, for example, who was considered mm-hmm. one of kind of the major sex symbols of of, of modern time. You know, she was by by no means a kind of a stick thin sort of supermodel kind of figure mm. that we are more familiar with now. And then you mm-hmm. get into the kind of sixties, you get that kind of whole Mary Quant thing, and you get kind of the twiggy thing, and suddenly mm-hmm. these kind of very very stick thin um, mm-hmm. ladies are now have now become uh, the gold standard for what it is to be beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm getting I'm getting um, um, like a Alan Partridge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> When he's like on a dictaphone, lady shapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and things like you know, there's you know, the, the, there are all kinds of platitudes around around kind of beauty. You know, people say there is no accounting for taste. Mm. Is there no accounting for taste? On the one hand, you want to say, yeah, fine. I mean, if you happen to like watching Strictly Come Dancing, uh, mm. it's not really mm-hmm. my cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. But then you probably, you know, but then you know. You, you could be watching your Strictly and I might just be looking at you in a disparaging way saying, you know, what are you doing wasting your time with that? And I'll be watching some Doctor Who and they'll be looking at me saying, what on earth are you doing watching nonsense like this? So, you know, yeah. there it, are... It, it surprises me. Mm. You know, it's, it, it, when you like something so much and you watch it all the time or, you know, you, you like, and, you, and you say to someone else, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch this film. They're like, oh, I don't like that at all. Like, what? Why could you not? Well, yeah. I don't understand. 
It's the worst experience sure? in the world. It's the worst experience <laughs> in the world when you're showing when you want to share something, particularly because you know if you've yeah. got a real passion for something, you want to share it with people. You know, mm. so you say, oh, I know this is a great film or it's a great series. You must watch that, and you kind of eventually they. Well, I don't do it anymore because I can't take mm. the rejection. Um, <laughs> but you know, yeah. people watching go, yeah, I didn't see it. I just it just didn't work for me. But why not? I mean, it's got everything you could possibly want, all the ingredients you could possibly. Why does it not work for you? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of like bringing you know you bringing your <laughs> you know your partner home for the first time and your mum saying, nah, I don't know, <laughs> you could yeah. do better. You know, well, don't say that. You know, my mum didn't do that, by the way. Uh, my mum was always the reverse. My mum was always saying to me, "You're batting way above your average here." Uh, well, cheers, mum. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> so that's, that's the kind that's the kind of support I got from my mum. Um, but yeah, uh, so getting back to Aristotle, so I mean, you know, are we are we inevitably are we inevitably bound up with with um, categorizing human beings by how you know how they perform and what they look like? Is that the kind of the is that how we judge human beings? Or, you know, is it ever you know are we ever poss is it ever possible to be in a situation where we say those things? You know, we like to say they don't matter. People say, oh, I'm color blind, and so on. You know. I don't see, you know, disability. I don't see, I don't see that. Um, but we do. Um, mm -hmm. For all, you know, for all that we might try not to, we see difference. You know, it doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. have to be a in a judgmental sort of way. But we we are kind of programmed, I think, to see difference. Uh, it's kind mm -hmm. of, but then, you know, do we, what do we do with that? I and mean, we do, do we do we graduate human beings according to how different? I mean, am I the gold standard for human being in mm -hmm. my own world? Is that basically what it is? I, well, I was thinking that. Now, this is hopefully it, my thoughts are not quite developed here, but I've got something I think going on here. Um, it's there's a lot to do with um, you know where you come from, um, mm. and and even um, the language you speak. Mm. You know, and I like the um, the really kind of subtle differences you get uh, between cultures. Like, um, I think it's. Uh, is it Russians? Russians don't um, smile a lot because mm. yeah, you know, smiling is like a, it's like like you like you look like an, an idiot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Or you know, or if you want to talk about la language itself, mm. um, in Japanese they don't have um, articles. You know, uh, you know uh, the ah mm. and stuff like that. And when I was teaching English to Japanese people. I'd do this kind of dictation exercise, and I'd write sentences, and um, they'd show me what they've written, and they, you know, inevitably would not hear the articles, mm. so they're not ready to, to um, hear them coming. And I and I kind of think about that in terms of you know, the way you look at you know beauty or mm. art. Yes. You don't see it because it's not part of your world, not part of your vocabulary. Mm. Mm. Is that something? Or yeah, I... yeah. Well, it reminds me. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago, when we were talking about monsters, and uh, and mm. you have the Frankenstein creature, um, who, as, as far as we're told, looked um, looked terrific, did not mm. conform to standards of beauty, um, mm. cultural standards of beauty, um, and the the only person he was really accepted by mm. was the blind man. Mm -hmm. So it was a blind man, so he couldn't see, so he couldn't judge him. On, on those, but all he all he experienced 
uh, was you know uh, uh, another person in need, somebody who was in pain, uh, uh, and you know he developed a friendship and he became you know close to the creature and he started to teach him and so on. So the relationship with that being was based on something other than physical appearance. Mm. Um, and as I said before, I think I said this before, as my my old mum used to say to me um, back when I was in the dating game, you know, in my younger day, um, mm -hmm. the eyes eat first. She used to say, mm -hmm. um, uh, and that's that's quite a sadness. I mean, I wonder whether you know, I wonder whether there's this kind of room to say that you know, whenever you you know, meet a new group of people, you should go in and meet them blindfolded. Um, I wonder what that would do. I wonder what that would do <laughs> yeah, for you sure. if you just say, okay, you know, this is this is the thing now. Whenever you go to meet anybody new, you have to go in kind of blind, literally the blind date. You don't actually see them, uh, and you get to know them first, and you get to talk to yeah. them, and you get to kind of you know experience you know aspects of them um, before you prejudge them on the kind of the more the more kind of physical grounds. I don't know. That that would never work. <laughs> there is something. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something in uh, definitely something in that, but. I would say, you know, if you're gonna forever not see them, well, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're you don't disappointed. Then <laughs> suddenly you're gonna, you know, the eyes eat, eat first, but they do eat as well. You know, yeah, like, I guess. But I mean, where, where's the? I mean, where's the? Um, of course, the, the, <laughs> the worry that I was just thinking about this. Of course, this this is very much the kind of the. Uh, um, the, the the operational kind of uh, the modus operandi of the uh, of the internet of the internet predator isn't it um, mm -hmm. because it's kind of you don't see who you're talking to uh, mm. so you can create an identity for yourself um, which is not which is not predetermined by your age or your gender or or you know all the kind of physical stuff um and that can be used and that's you know that can be used not necessarily but that can be used as a way of of, of um deceiving yeah people. um you know and you get people saying oh well, you don't look anything like you know i mean i'm sure you know we've all been there you know people kind of going on a date <laughs> well you and i obviously not because mm -hmm. this is this is you know, this is only a, re a relatively recent mm -hmm. thing um mm -hmm. but people say oh, yeah you don't look anything like your tinder profile because you know you've put up a picture of yourself that's mm -hmm. kind of you know <laughs> six years six years old <laughs> you you had more hair there you know um because that that will came yeah that all came in you know after yeah i was married or whatever like that. i can't mm -hmm. imagine um, what kind of you know, obviously that's the world we live in now mm. uh, what mm. I would have made of that what I would have done of that obviously I would have well I think you, know, you and I strange. would never yeah you and I would never have got anywhere because we were just we would have just been agonised over the the, you know, <laughs> the words we would use I mean to think mm. about that you know, you're trying to come up with a form of words that describe who you are as a human being to mm. make yourself you know compelling <sighs> to somebody else and mm -hmm. then find an appropriate visual image um, that you know <laughs> that the eyes will eat first. It's just fraught, isn't it? Um, yeah. I know people spend spend you know months and months and months trying to kind of painstakingly engineer this, and then at the end of the day, it's engineered, isn't it? At some at some level. Um, so I don't know. So I don't know what day, I don't know what I, saying, I don't know what Plato and, and, and Aristotle would have uh, you know would have made. Of, of all that, I mean, from their point of view, you you you've, you could say, well, you know, with with increased technology, with increased kind of social media and connectivity, maybe you've got more chance of of engaging with a wider world, uh, and becoming successful. You know, you might not have been successful as an artist, um, mm. you know, sat in uh, in 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 
uh, in a in a little in a little town in Greece, uh, where everybody knows you and nobody was prepared to give you a chance. But if mm. you could upload your your performance to YouTube, so the rest of mm. the world could see it, then maybe you would become successful as an artist. You know, so well, that was the thing, wasn't it? It's, um, uh, I can't I can't remember who said it, but you know, when Twitter came out, um, or you know, you know internet uh, connectivity as a whole, uh, compare that. You know, people talking over that to like you know the chance encounter of of um, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, mm. you know, at, at, a, at a church fete, I think it was, yeah. uh, and then you had the Beatles. You know, so um, the idea was, okay, now we've got that times a billion. We've got people. We've got everybody mm. online. We, we've got uh, you know, what what greatness, uh, what fantastic <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah are going to yeah. come from this, you know, this connectivity. Yes. And of course, we've just got people slagging each other off. Well, yeah, that's, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, again, that's interesting because <clears throat> when, you get, when you get into, and when you get past the kind of essentialists, people like, you know, Plato and Aristotle and right through the kind of Middle Ages where they were kind of very dominant in both, in both kind of, you know, um, um, uh, kind of, you know, Islamic philosophies as well as kind of you know west i mean aristotle very very popular in islamic philosophy uh, mm. uh um you have these things kind of feeding into you know all manner of of, of activities and perceptions across the world um right up to the kind of the the, the the enlightenment where you get that kind of almost a kind of the last gasp of that sort of extreme rationalism that emphasis on reason um i mean you, you did have previous to that you did have traditions which which perhaps tried to kind of um not subvert reason but, ha but try to do a kind of a body's worth round i mean for example you get um you get kind of eastern orthodox it's it's, it's this is quite quite crass but i mean uh, kind of western christendom for example is generally kind of characterized by its by its 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 concern with rationality and its concern with propositions so mm. western Christ christendom the kind of the center of the entire business um, tends to be the kind of the spoken word. It's kind of the written text. It's the Bible. Uh, it's the sermon and all these sorts of things. Eastern Christendom had a more apophatic tradition. Had a more kind of um, uh, a, a much more kind of um, ineffable sort of. You know, there are things about the spiritual world that cannot be cashed in in terms of words, and tended to be far more focused on sort of iconography. So you learn much more about the spiritual world by contemplating images statues mm. pictures and each of these mm. pictures and images and paintings and icons all in all in kind of included some sort of code um which would help to stimulate thought and discussion and so on rather than just telling you the words uh, and part mm. of it revelation was, yeah mm. and part of it was just an educational thing as well part of it was a recognition not everybody you know as, as aristotle kind of maintained mm. not everybody is well educated um so mm. you know if you just emphasize you know rational cognitive aspects of the human condition and you sort of you know, mm. preach at them and you give them texts to read some of this is just going to stay over their heads mm. so give them pictures give them images give them things they can see um rather than um you know rather than um um necessarily words they have to understand so you've got all that kind of you know so you've got aspects of that but by and large you do have that emphasis on on rationality, and you get into the Enlightenment. It's very much the man of reason, you know, as, as, as Kant, you know, the critique of pure reason. That's kind of you know one oh one for what it means to be human. Um, mm. You know, you got Descartes. I think, therefore, I am. I think, 
therefore I am. That's mm-hmm. the basis for my existence. The 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 the, the, the presence of conscious thought, mm-hmm. um, and that's and and that kind of, and you know people kind of just swallow that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of yeah. Well, of course that clearly is the case because reason has, has proved itself to be. You know we we know we've used reason. It's given us the better mouse trap. Uh, it's given us you know um, um, you know microwave ovens, mobile phones, and digital watches. Um, so clearly it works, it delivers. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting that kind of, that, the, the start, the, the start of, a, of a kind of a flurry away from it. You get the romantics saying, well, mm. you know, do we have to just um, constrain everything through reason? Mm. Are there things about kind of human emotions, for example, that can't be expressed in words? Um, you know, do we learn more about the world just by looking at it and seeing what it does, uh, or do we learn more about it by kind of taking bits of it and stick it in a laboratory and watching it in abstraction? Is that what mm. we do? You know, do we understand human beings by studying them in in, a, in in clinical situations? Do we learn more about them just by people watching? Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, does art tell us more than science and all that kind of stuff? So the romantics were kind of doing that sort of stuff. Um, and then we get the kind of, you know, then we get the kind of the post-critical and the, the, the mm. post-modern philosophers, existentialists and so on, exploring, um, you know, other routes. So mm. the reason I said that is, 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 and there was a good reason for this at the time. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We're talk, talking about kind of, you know, just kind of being in the world. This is the Heideggerian idea of situatedness. Mm. That, you know, you, you kind of find yourself, you know, in a sense, you come into the world kind of blind. You come into the world without any kind of negotiation. Um, and you've got to try and make sense of, of mm. what you see. Um, who tells you? I mean, how do you make sense of what you see? If you come into it, you know, you, you're in this situation. Um, there are no pre... There should, you know, you're not born with any predisposition. You're not born with this kind of platonic pre-understanding of you know your place in the universe and what human beings should be you're just thrown into it almost like you know mm. kicked into the street I always have this image of old westerns where you know yeah. somebody's just being kicked you know the western kicks up and, and, and the bar you know the saloon doors fling open and some guy is just like lurched into the street and he's just lying mm. there and that's pretty much heideggerian understanding of how we how we arrive in the universe you know we're mm. just good lying in the street going where the hell am i who are you <laughs> but, what's going on but we but we also have um uh, with that we've got a kind of a link to our history and our understanding of the world through mm. language right you know, but we have to be told yeah. that though that that's part of our education we're not born with it yeah so but, we have um, to, you know, we're told this so you know yeah. we, we, we find ourselves in the street and the first thing you do is going to you know where am i and then somebody will come along and say, okay, you're in this town on this street. Um, and then they will start to put a gloss on that, you know, who built it, who's the boss, people to look out for, people to be wary of, people to trust. And suddenly it starts mm. building up an interpretation of that world, which is being given to you. But you've, what you've done there is, uh, is you've, you've put us in the world before language. But we're only, you know, we're, only, we're in the world at the same time as language. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. so it's like you could you your kind of your understanding of your situation would be all at this kind of at exactly the same time of your ability of using language. If we, if you get what I mean. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you have the tool of language, don't you? But you don't have pre-knowledge, yeah. do you? I mean, you, you're not born. No, you don't have pre-knowledge, but you're you can only you can only be aware in itself. 
you can only be aware if mm. you have language of being aware. Mm. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's true. But you still have to have somebody. You know, you you you, you know, you're in the world, and you'd still, you know, you, you as a, as a small child, and you'll mm. still have, you know, your your you know your parents, for example. Um, telling you things like, you know, don't play with that person because that person's mm. a bit rough. Don't go. I mean, I remember my my mum saying to me, you know, my mum's mm. featuring large in this discussion. <laughs> I suppose it's because of you know identifying yourself, you know, what makes you who you are. But um, you know, I remember my mum saying, oh, you know, don't go and play over over there in that estate because that's where mm. that's where the kind of the rough kids hang out. Mm. Uh, and so you know, I don't know. I never went there um, because that's where the rough kids hang out. I mean, it's kind of you know, it's beyond the it's beyond the fields we know. It's kind of this is this is across the board of the wrong side of the tracks, um, mm. so it's kind of demonised. I don't know. I never met anybody. I, I, I literally don't think I knew anybody from there. So they could be really charming people, but that's mm. what I was. That was what I was told. Um, uh, uh, so you kind of construct using language. You construct that world, mm. but you're to, you're given a lot of uh, predetermined information, uh, and some people just stick with that map, that mm -hmm. model. And their place in it, and some oh, like people stand back and mm. just say, "Okay, well, I've been given this." This is the whole, I and mean, this is kind of mm. the, you know, the genius of the, of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment said, "You know, ask questions. Don't just accept the traditions that are given to you." And they were obviously mm. they were talking primarily about the kind of the ancien regime. They were talking about, they were talking about um, you know religion primarily. Mm -hmm, <laughs> but it was, mm -hmm. don't accept authorities just because somebody's told you that's beautiful and that's ugly and that's right and that's wrong and that's what human being. Don't accept that. Um, you need to test it for yourself. You need to find it. Go out into the world and find out for yourself. Mm. Um, some people do. Some people don't. You know, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, sometimes you know, sometimes we, we and we use language in in a way to kind of. I think as Soren, the archaeologist, was saying last time, you know, we use language to ritualize our activities in the world, don't mm. we? So actually, creating creating linguistic rituals to define what's going on in the world to help to, to, to make sense of it. So, you know, mm -hmm. what is, so, you know, you use the language of, of humanity and we like to do that. We like to use the language of humanity because it gives us, it gives us, uh, uh, it gives us an interesting tool. And it's a double edged tool. We've talked about this before. The, mm -hmm. the ability to actually use the language of humanity allows us to judge people um, uh, one way or another. It allows us to say, you are not treating me as a mm. human being because a human being is this whatever that might be a human being is mm. reasonable is rational rational mm. is free has the capacity to do this that and the other uh has has all these sorts of things that's what a human being is so if you don't if you're compromising that you're compromising mm. me as a human being but of course the other side of that coin is um if you forget if there's something in your your ritualistic understanding your linguistic model of a human being that is, if it's something that's not, if it's something you've excluded, mm. for example, like I don't know. I mean, I grew up in in, in a culture where the idea of of of, um, of transgender mm -hmm. was not something that was really entertained in, in, in anything other than literally a kind of a rather kind of crass entertainment mode. So you had mm -hmm. like drag acts and so on and so forth. You know, Danny Larue, Danny Larue. Mm -mm -mm. I know. Yeah. yeah, and Dick Emery, they would kind of dress up as women, and it was all supposed to be a joke. But the idea of of human identity mm -hmm. actually being something that could involve uh, could involve uh, transgender, or could involve you know multiplicity of understandings of gender, wasn't part of my lang lang linguistic model of what it is to be a human being. 
Um, mm. And so if I kind of set that in stone, this is what a human being is, and you can't treat me in any other in, in a way that compromises any of those things. If I've left something out, then I will start compromising other people because they, but I, you know, I might start compromising trans people because mm-hmm. my model of humanity doesn't mm-hmm. it has hasn't I mean hasn't included that. And if you have a very strict model of what it is to be human, as I think mm-hmm. people like Plato and Aristotle had, um, then you will you, you can use it to defend yourself and you can use it to defend other human beings uh, as not being treated humanely. But it mm-hmm. it also can end up with you marginalising. And excluding mm-hmm. people in the same way as Aristotle did, you know, oh well, these people aren't human because, and so we can treat them in a particular way. Mm. So we like to, so we like to enact the 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 ritual of creating a kind of, you know, what it means to be human, uh, because it gives us power. But it's also it can also be exclusive. It can also be eugenic. You know. <laughs> yeah.